Welcome to the second week of a short segment of teaching here at Oxford Vineyard about Sabbath and rest. So if this is a little different from what you remember uh, on Sunday morning, it's because our message didn't record, so we're going back to record it after the fact. Uh, so this is our message titled Rest and Rhythm from the 26th of January 2020. Um, I'm really excited to continue to talk about rest this week because, as I said in the past, it's something that God has really been working on in my life uh, for the past year or so. So just to review, uh, last week we spent our time talking about the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a gift. Uh, it was established during the creation of the earth by God himself, taking time to stop and rest and to delight in what he had created. We're created in the image and likeness of God uh, to become the example of his character into the earth. And so for that reason, we also rest. God established rest as necessary for humanity by resting on the seventh day. He established rhythm, six days of work and one for rest. That rhythm is what we're going to focus on today. Uh, we also studied what Jesus had to say about the Sabbath. In Mark 2 and 3, the Pharisees challenged Jesus' perception of the Sabbath and they try to accuse him of breaking the law. Jesus stresses to the Pharisees that the purpose of the Sabbath is to bring life, not to stick to legalistic rules that detract from the Sabbath. The point is to worship God and to rest, to bring ourselves and others life. And finally, I left you with an encouragement to keep the Sabbath, to slow down and focus on what's important. Um, as a church, we don't want to be living at the mercy of everything that is urgent. We want to go after Sabbath and community. We want to do it together. Uh, I think that's the only way that we'll really find success in pursuing that rhythm. So we want to be living in rhythm, well aware of the assignment that God has for us at any given moment in time. If last week's message was focused on the why behind Sabbath and rest and rhythms, this week we're going to focus on the how. How do we rest and key in on the rhythms that God intended for our lives? And how do we maintain a healthy balance in our lives between all the important things that we have to do uh, and worshiping God and resting and taking time to enter into his perfect rest, like the writer of Hebrews says. So I'm going to pray for you guys. Jesus, I just thank you for uh, Oxford Vineyard Church and for everything that you're doing here. And Lord, I just ask that you would come and reveal even more by your spirit what it looks like to enter into your rest, what it looks like to worship you, what it looks like to have healthy rhythms in our lives. Uh, Holy Spirit, we don't want to be a people who are constantly burnt out, constantly uh, flitting from thing to thing. We want to be focused on you. We want to be focused on the kingdom assignment that you have for us. We want to be full of your life. So we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, how do we rest? In order to understand what the gift of rest looks like in our lives, we have to be able to define what rest means. We touched on this a little bit last week, but this week I want to go into as much detail as we can so that we leave here with a really solid foundation. Sabbath rest truly can be defined by what gives you life and brings you closer to God. When we rest, we give ourselves an opportunity to thank God for what he's already done in our lives and we make space to become aware of what he might do in the future. We talked a lot about Sabbath at 242 last Monday night, and an interesting theme that came up continually was preparation. Uh, I want to zero in and talk about that for a minute. For Jewish families over the centuries, the Sabbath was something that they prepared for. 
In his book, Garden City, John Mark Comer makes comparisons to holidays that we celebrate like Christmas. If you think about it, you prepare for these important days. You get the food ready ahead of time. You invite people and you have your home ready. You have things clean and the space is prepared and you have your, your mind prepared, hopefully. You, you've been thinking about it and, and in, in anticipation of this day. So looking forward to the Sabbath, folks would see to it that things that needed to be done to make for a day of rest were taken care of ahead of time in order that they uh, might completely rest from their labor for a full day. So it's a celebration of God, of his creation, and his rest. That's what we're focusing on. Part of the reason that I chose to also focus on rhythm today is because our lives have a lot more going on than just rest. And when we talk about Sabbath, you know, that could be a full day of rest from your work. But I think we also need to have Sabbath integrated uh, moment by moment and day by day in our lives. And we need to have times when we can connect with God and worship God in different ways. And so we have to figure out what it looks like to have that woven into the tapestry of our day-to-day lives. Um, So obviously there's a lot more going on than just rest. But my point is that if we're going to do this for the long haul, we have to recognize that our lives need to be lived in rhythm the way God intended for them to be. We have to have a vision for our lives where we pace ourselves instead of letting everything come as it may. And that's not to say that we have to live our entire lives on a tight schedule, but it's to say that part of a healthy rhythm involves Holy Spirit planning. So even as we plan, seasons vary, and that's why we need to have healthy rhythms in our lives to keep us connected to God and sustain us through the times when we might otherwise uh, take on too much and burn ourselves out. From a ministry standpoint, there are going to be times when we're really going after it, we're seeing healing, we're getting words of knowledge, and we're feeling bold, we're sharing the gospel, and there are going to be times when we're not. Uh, Family and work happen in the same way, so we have to learn how to take these things in stride and have uh, rhythms in our lives that we can lean on when things are a little less consistent. Something that I have uh, wrestled with and if you take issue with this, that's fine. I, I would really like to talk about is the fact that in the kingdom, there isn't a priority list. I think the church has kind of dealt this thing out to its people for a long time, that there's this ideal uh, priority list that goes God, and then your spouse, and then your kids, and then your extended family, and then you know your career, or the church, or whatever. And in this, in this rhythm of life that we're talking about, the thing that is the most important in your life, it it is the most important thing, if it is. Um, There isn't a concrete list of priorities. There isn't a set way of doing things all the time. There really might be times where the most important thing before the Lord is our family. And there also could be times where the most important thing before the Lord is our ministry or our career. It depends on what he's calling us to at that point in time. Don't hear what I'm not saying. What I'm not saying is that if there's a serious need in your family, there will be a time that you choose to tackle the day-to-day tasks of ministry or your work instead of helping one of your kids or your spouse or an elderly loved one. But what I am saying is that sometimes your routine might get interrupted because God is tapping you on the shoulder and saying, this thing in front of you will be fine. I'm asking you to look over here for a moment at this person that I've put in your path. in your path to minister to, uh, or this task that I've asked you to complete. 
And in order to hear God saying that, we have to be able to lay down that, that list of hard-set priorities that sometimes we have picked up for ourselves that might not be in line with what the Word says. We have to have rhythm in our lives. We have to be able to pause and wait and listen for his voice directing us. If Jesus' life were a fixed list of priorities, he never would have taken time for himself, and he never would have gone out of his way to minister or have a conversation with, with somebody who happened to cross his path the same way that we see in the scriptures. He was always looking for what the Father was doing and ready to partner with him. Um, the entire universe clicks off every single day in a rhythm because that's how God created it to work. In fact, there is an entire branch of scientific study that's entirely devoted to the, the study of rhythms, natural rhythms, uh, the creation experiences called chronobiology. Uh, the earth rotates and revolves around the sun in a predictable fashion, and the moon orbits the earth in such a way that we experience the phenomena of days and weeks and months and years and seasons and ocean tides. And because the human brain exists and develops in that environment, we are conditioned to experience sleep-wake cycles and body temperature cycles and REM deep sleep cycles. So it's well noted that the Earth's atmosphere experiences cycles like the carbon cycle and the water cycle and the nitrogen cycle. All these cycles are evidence of the way that God created the Earth to unfold and, and happen in rhythm. In 1729, there was a French physicist who discovered that this plant called the mimosa shrub knew when it was daytime and when it was nighttime because it opened and closed its leaves at those times, even when it was enclosed in a box that let in no light. So this plant received no sunlight, but nonetheless, the leaves opened and closed as though it were day and night. The plant was responding not to the sun, but to an internal biological clock. And today we know that most living organisms have their own biological clocks. So why would we attempt to live our lives in any other way? To beat nature or to oppose the way that we uh, see that God set up the world to work? It's silly. I mean, it really, it's, it's not productive for our lives. It's not productive for the way that we uh, try to go about things. Rhythms are how humans thrive. And so if we can tap into that and we can figure out what are the God-given rhythms of doing life uh, that we have in the Word and revealed by the Holy Spirit, we can, we can do just that. We can thrive. So another thing that kept coming up throughout my week with different individuals who are on this journey was the question, uh, how am I supposed to take an entire day off to rest? I'm so busy and that just seems totally unreasonable some weeks. Part of the joy of following Jesus is the fact that we don't have to adhere to each other's plans for our lives. Only Jesus' plan for our lives. So let me explain what I mean by that. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. When Jesus is saying that, we're able to take that as a personal invitation. When we seek healing, we seek him. And when we seek to grow in the gifts of the Spirit, we seek him. And he is our rest. So when we seek rest, we seek Jesus, and he will reveal to us what rest looks like. So I just want to encourage you. If you feel, um, if you feel discouraged by that idea of the Sabbath, and it's hard for you to take a whole day off, or it's hard for you to figure out what it looks like to rest and worship, um, 
tap into this, this scripture that Jesus will reveal to you what his rest looks like. It might sound kind of vague, but it really should because it's about a journey alongside Jesus and there are no easy answers about how to develop a healthy inner life. We have to do it. Um, we have to uncover what those rhythms look like for each of us individually by entering in with him, doing the practice, and, and figuring out what that looks like. So some of the terms that I threw out last week when I was talking about this idea of Sabbath and rest were inhale and exhale uh, to illustrate our work and our rest. The, the use and the restoration of our resources uh, or our steam Right, So we talked about steam a number of weeks back in the Kingdom Mercy series. Uh, that's our exercise with all of you that Jill Stroud tried with our Sockham class. So just take a moment, take a deep breath, and exhale. Now exhale again. Now without breathing in, exhale again. And again. See, it's, it's impossible to only breathe out when we're empty. But that's what a lot of us uh, mistakenly believe that God is asking of us. And honestly, that's what church leaders have asked of us in the past. And it's hard. It's a difficult thing to deal with. So now what I want you to do is I want you to inhale. Now without exhaling, inhale again. And again. So you see, again, that it's impossible to only inhale. So if we spend all of our time trying to get our bearings, trying to do self-care and trying to uh, get filled up, and we're never using what we got filled up with, it's actually harmful to us, not helpful. Uh, so one of the things that we talk about a lot here at this church is the exhale of doing ministry, of taking what we're given by God, going out, ministering to people, praying for people in the workplace, pressing in to see the kingdom come in every area of our lives, and that's super important to us. Um, we, we believe that we're raising up a church full of people who are doing the stuff that Jesus did. But we also have to remember that the, doing the works of Jesus and living an empowered life means looking at the whole life of Jesus, not just when we feel like he's doing something exciting. Um, it's amazing how the glasses that we bring to reading the Bible determine what we see in the life of Jesus. We all have a particular lens or a particular worldview that we bring when we read the Gospels. So when uh, John reads the New Testament, he might see the activist Jesus. He sees the Jesus who's always going for it, um, the extreme to the wall Jesus that's always doing and doing and doing and doing. But sometimes when I look at Jesus, I tend to see the contemplative Jesus, the Jesus who goes off by himself and uh, gets, gets alone and spends day and night in prayer and in the quiet and seeking the Lord. But the truth about Jesus that we have to allow to sink in is that he was the perfect contemplative in action. He, he rests because he loves to rest, and he loves to spend time with his Father, and he works because he loves people, and he loves his work, and he loves seeing the kingdom come, and he did both of them perfectly. So if we ever feel like there's imbalance in our lives, we have to look to the example of Jesus, to the person of Jesus revealed in the Gospels, because he rested when he needed to rest, and he worked when he needed to work. And I have a hard time believing that Jesus walked around for his entire uh, ministry burnt out. I don't think that that's the truth about who Jesus was, and I don't think that's how he operated. So if you feel burnt out, 
seek the person of Jesus and figure out what does rhythm look like for you. So I want to take kind of an in-depth look at Jesus giving us an example to follow of what rest and work, inhale and exhale, can look like in our own lives. So this is a story in Luke 4 that is titled, Jesus Heals Many, in most of our Bibles with section headings. So it begins, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her, and he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she got up at once and began to wait on them. So right away at the beginning of the story, we see Jesus responding to need around him. He comes and he heals uh, Simon's mother-in-law. And not just like, I mean, she's completely healed. Like she gets up and she begins to do things, right? She begins to serve them. So she's uh, not just in recovery mode, but she is completely well. So then it goes on at sunset. The people brought to Jesus all those who had any who were sick. All those who had any who were sick, and laying hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. So now, right, we're definitely engaged in ministry. Uh, all of those who had any who were sick is a lot of people. It's, this is an intense moment. He's casting out demons. He's performing works that prove to the people around him that he is truly the Messiah. And, and this is an intense moment for Jesus. This is one of those activist moments. But after all this is over, we read this. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him and they came to where he was, and they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So that's from Luke 4, 38 to, to the beginning of 42. So what do we see here? We see Jesus intensely engaging with the people around him, and not in a half-hearted way. Um, really intense engagement. But then immediately afterwards, what does he do? He goes to a solitary place to inhale, to be with the Father. So Jesus needed both the inhale and the exhale, and so do we. And then Jesus has this moment of inhale where he goes to a solitary place, but then the very next thing he does in Luke 5 is he actually calls his disciples. He, he chooses the first um, apostolic team that would go on to change the course of human history afterwards. So, you know, it's, it's from intense moment to intense moment, but he has uh, these times of, of inhale and rest in between. So your time of work, your, your time of exhale doesn't necessarily need to look like Jesus. Uh, that work for you might not be, you know, healing all those who had any who were sick in the streets of Judea, but whatever that work is... My lifeline to God is reading, writing, solitude, and examine. But those things can look completely different for each of us. So I'm going to give you a list uh, in a moment of some of these practices that can keep us connected to God that I personally think we should integrate into our day-to-day life. But whatever those things are, we are really responsible to have a healthy inner life, much like Jesus did. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. We have in this room 
um, a church full of leaders. We really believe that this place, just as much as it is a place to come for healing and to connect with God, is a place that is intended to turn out kingdom leaders into every arena, every workplace, every vocation, and every corner of the city. Represented in this room, we have um, very important industries, right? We have business leaders. We have people in medical professions. We have, we have teachers, educators, and people who are responsible for the next generation. Um, these, are, these are high calls. So I want to encourage you that, you know, your, your work is important. Your work is intense, and we see that. Each of your leadership will look different. Many of you would never call yourselves leaders or consider yourself capable of leading anyone. But the fact is that Jesus called us to make disciples of all nations in, in Matthew 28. And if you're going to take that seriously, every believer is called to lead at least one person somehow. Um, that being said, I love Phil Strout's leadership, the uh, the national leader of Vineyard USA, because he always challenges us with this statement. He says, we can't afford to be led by Christian leaders who at one time had a healthy inner life and had intimacy with Jesus, but they have to refer to the 1990s to reminisce and remember it. So we're at, wherever we're at with our inner life, with our prayer life, I want us to try to come to God with one commitment this morning, and that is that we're going to partner with him to care for our souls and find out good, what good works he has for us to do. So I'm going to repeat that. We need to partner with God to care for our souls and find out what good works he has for us to do. Staying connected is so important. We cannot get disconnected from the heart of God in the, in the day-to-day uh, work that we have to do in our field. So what I'd like to do now is read to you a few verses on soul care. And I'm going to read them kind of fast. I'm going to read them rapid-fired. And um, I, I did this a few weeks ago when we talked about kingdom mercy. I want to do it again. So listen to these verses, and if one of them stands out to you, I want you to make note of it, uh, read over it, and meditate on it every day this week. So I'm going to read these. The one that stands out to you, write it down, and spend some time with it this week. So are you ready? Okay. Deuteronomy 4.9 says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things that your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Proverbs 22.5 says, In the paths of the wicked are snares and pitfalls, but those who would preserve their life stay far from them. Proverbs 23.19 says, Listen, my son, and be wise, and set your heart on the right path. Matthew 11.28-30, we already talked about this. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mark 6.31 says, Then, because so many people were, were coming and going, that they did not even have a chance to eat, he, Jesus, said to them, the apostles, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So finally, just to wrap us up, I want to give you some examples of rhythms that we can consider adding to our lives. I personally believe that almost all of these things should be a part of our daily lives, not just sporadically or whenever we feel like it. And having a daily rhythm that incorporates all these things is so healthy. And I, and I would guess that um, even though it's a long list, many of us are, are already doing most of them. But I want to encourage you that if there's one of these that you are not already doing, uh, try it out and see how it works for you. So the first is bodily labor, uh, doing work that involves physical activity, either for pay or for pleasure, possibly both, is good for us. Uh, it's an important rhythm in our lives. My job, more or less, is a desk job, and so I get a lot of satisfaction when I'm able to do something with my hands, when I'm able to uh, make something or to do work that involves using my body. Um, the second is prayer, seeking God by petition, corporate prayer, intercession, thanksgiving, worship, and contemplation. So these are all different kinds of prayer that I've listed here. Our prayer lives are enriched when we learn that prayer is so much more than just asking God for things. Learning what it looks like to seek God and intercede for a situation on behalf of someone else. Or what it means to worship God in prayer. What it means to pray contemplatively and to process the word of God and to seek what the Holy Spirit's saying to us in a moment. Those things will deeply enrich your prayer life. So I would encourage you to go after some of those different forms of prayer. Uh, examine. This is one that's important to me, an exercise in reflecting on our thoughts and conduct. So a lot of people will do this multiple times a day. They'll do it first thing when they wake up, and then they'll do it before they go to bed. Or they'll do it uh, once in the middle of the day, where they look back at the, the day that they've lived so far and consider how have they treated people and how has their uh, heart posture been toward God so far during the day. And it's a really helpful exercise to just reveal new things about ourselves, to become more self-aware um, of, of the things that we're doing. And so examine can be really big in cultivating healthy rhythms of life. Rest, we've talked about this one a lot, taking time to cease working and give God praise for the life that we have partnered with him to create. So this is what we see uh, in, in Genesis, right? God stops working and enjoys what he has created. And so to replicate that, we stop working and we praise God for the life that we have partnered with him to create. We don't buy or sell. We don't strive after things. We just take that time to stop, to rest, to worship. Uh, study, devoting time and attention to expanding our knowledge of God and the world that he has provided for us to steward. So Thing, I mean, this is, I'm talking about academic study. Fields like math and science fall under this category, and, and literature and film, and these things are amazing, right? The things that people have um, created, things that people have partnered with God to create in many cases. And so learning more about the world is actually a very healthy practice, and it's something that, that we should definitely participate in. Simplicity. Moving toward a simpler way of interacting with possessions, food, clothing, and technology in such a way that we might become more present to the needs and joys surrounding us. So having too many things can get in our way of enjoying 
God. It can get in our way of worship. It can get in our way of uh, living a, a healthy rhythm of life. It can be stressful. It can, it can cause a, um, a subconscious kind of stress on our minds that, that we're not even aware of to be completely surrounded by so many material things and by so many screens. Um, <clears throat> so taking time to cut some of those things out, to be more present, is an excellent practice. Spiritual direction. Uh, we have an awesome resource here in our church. Wally and Kathy uh, Bolduc, they, they do spiritual direction. They do life coaching, engaging in intentional times of conversation and discernment with the Holy Spirit in order to nurture our relationship with God and an honest perception of ourselves is how we would define spiritual direction. Um, it's a very fruitful practice. It will definitely cause you to become more introspective. Uh, I highly recommend spiritual direction to, to anyone who's looking to deepen their relationship with God or get unstuck in a particular area. It's an amazing practice. Solitude and silence. Uh, that is intentionally taking time away from the inordinate attachments in our lives in order to offer them to God, as well as to answer hard questions, such as, what is God saying when I'm silent? What do I think about when everything is quiet? And how do I feel when I'm alone? When we're able to uh, start to seek the Lord on some of those things and, and really separate, distance ourselves from the distractions of life, you know, many people engage in escapism and just these different things that, that distract them from the hardest questions in their lives. So when we can spend time alone and in silence, it really, uh, it really forces us to face some of those difficult questions. Generosity, thinking of our possessions and our income as belonging to the Lord and partnering with him to see how he would have us allocate them. Uh, very important thing. Generosity, you know, there's all kinds of scientific research about how generosity benefits humans. Uh, and then, of course, the Bible is full of wisdom about generosity and giving generously. And uh, we have a community here who really understands that. I, I deeply believe that we are surrounded by generous people in this room, and I'm really thankful for that. Hospitality, um, welcoming the poor, the stranger, and the pilgrim as well as our friends, in order to exhibit the hospitality of the new covenant. So Jesus, right, opens up this relationship with God to everyone. And so when we are closed to certain people, when we don't allow certain people to um, come into relationship with us, right, we, we are not displaying the hospitality of God. Now, what don't hear what I'm not saying. Again, what I'm not saying is uh, to set aside all boundaries and allow everybody completely uh, unmitigated access to your life. But what I am saying is that it's important to be uh, generous and hospitable to uh, people who are in compromising situations. That's the heart of God toward our community. So hospitality, very important. Peacemaking. Uh, we had some teaching on peacemaking a while back, and we talked a lot about what that looks like, understanding conflict as an opportunity for growth, humility, and intimacy, actively working to restore peace, not just keep conflict at bay. So peacemaking, we're called to be peacemakers, is different from peacekeeping. Peacekeeping often utilizes violence to keep people at bay. It often 
uh, will alienate people. Peacemaking brings people in close. Peacemaking is nonviolent. And we really are able to press into better understanding each other and better understanding ourselves when we practice peacemaking. And finally, service to the church, which is something that I think our congregation is so good at, uh, partnering and participating in life, events, and the ministry of the local church in order to show Jesus to our local community. Every time we have an event, every time we have a ministry opportunity, you know, people are there. And so I'm, I'm really thankful right into our lives. So I don't want to make statements about this list that are too prescriptive regarding how each of us lives these things out. But what I do want to do is encourage all of us to take those things home and consider with the Holy Spirit if there are some of those things that we should start to focus on for the first time or return our attention to for the first time in a long time. So with that, um, I would love to pray for you and we will conclude. So Jesus, I just thank you for uh, everything that you are showing us as a community about rhythm and rest and Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would come alongside each and every person, that you would begin to walk that journey out with us and show us what it looks like to enter into your rest and enter into healthy rhythms of life. Uh, help us integrate these practices, uh, these spiritual disciplines into our lives to grow closer to you and to better serve the people around us. In your name, amen.